Good morning. Good morning. Yes. Top three. Are we? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. Those of you who we haven't seen you in this new year, welcome back. <laughs> good to see your face. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. All right. Uh, as usual, we'll go ahead and start with a prayer. Father, we just thank you for yet again another opportunity, another um, another chance to worship you, to bow in your presence, to just be aware of your mighty hand over our lives, to just join together, to declare your praise, to declare your fame, to declare your power, your authority over our lives, over every situation in our lives, and to just learn at your feet, to see at your feet to learn from you, to hear your word, O oh God. Father, we ask for ears to hear you. I ask, O oh God, that you will make us ready vessels, vessels that will be bring glory to your holy and righteous name, O oh Lord. Father, even me, as I speak, I ask, O oh God, for a listening spirit to learn what you're about to teach even in this moment. Father, O oh God, give us hearts that understand that we may cleave to you, cleave to your word, and be obedient, not just hearers of your word, but doers, obedient students. We worship you. We lift this out to you. Let your name be glorified even in this space right now. In Jesus' name. All right, so we'll continue from what we started, which is what should we do as disciples, right? But before we actually uh, continue, I want to say something real quick because, Sister Aisama, you came here and uh, you were talking about your situation and the testimony. I mean, thank God that, you know, they couldn't find uh, anything but we have to also be cognizant of the things that the devil is trying to do in this time frame. Because uh, on Friday, I remember it was on the prayer call that you suddenly had someone come into the house, right? And then you have to step out. I think it was Friday's prayer call, right? No, no, no. It wasn't prior, Friday's prayer call. It or was it Wednesday's uh, Bible study? I can't remember. It was the... Um... Well, I was on the call with you guys at, at that moment, I remember. That was Friday, that last Friday, Friday before this. Oh, Friday before last Friday, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. No, but you came to, because I remember, let me tell you the reason why I'm saying this, because uh, the first time um, Pastor said, he says we're the only ones praying right now because um, my wife isn't feeling too well. And the second he said that, I clearly heard a voice in my head say, I thought she said she doesn't get sick. And so I began to pray and to Amen. bind. You know? I began to pray and to bind. I said, what, what kind of voice is that and where is that voice coming from? But the second I began to pray and to bind, it's just been a constant struggle, you know? Yesterday I went to the gym. Even I woke up on Friday, or so you say Friday to um, Monday. Monday. Uh, sorry, not Monday. So we say Friday night, right? You sleep and then you wake up Saturday morning, right? And I woke up out of nightmares because I was crying in my in my sleep. I was praying for God's forgiveness. You know, I was actually praying Psalm 51, which is the prayer that David prayed, where he said, against you and you only have I sinned. You know, I got on my knees and I was praying to God that what kind of sin have I committed that in my dream I'll be praying this kind of prayer, right? Um, and I understand one thing. At that point, I was in on my knees in humility before God because no matter what it is, sometimes you, you don't know what you could have done wrong, right? 
I was humili- in humility before God and I said, it is you, O Lord, Lord, that is my justification. And I read that Psalm 51. I read the whole prayer and I said, God, it is a, you alone have I sinned against. It is you alone, O Lord. So the one thing that Satan will try to do is try and guilt trip you. He will try and make you think that you don't have any covering for past mistakes, past sins. It will, at some point, he might even try to guilt trip you that your kids are, are rebellious to God. So what makes you think that you're holy? But there was just suddenly this rise of uh, um, fighting in the spirit. You know, I got to the gym. This iron dropped on my hands. <laughs> you know, I was at the gym. I was, I was crying. This was so painful. Oh my God, it was super painful. But uh, but then the funny thing, the, the the same voice came again. I said, I thought you were keeping the Shabbat. What are you doing in the gym? <laughs> he will guilt trip you for anything and everything. And then suddenly, you know, last night, again, another nightmare. But this time, I was binding and casting out a demon. And I woke up and I began to also pray and bind and cast. Sometimes you don't know what you are binding or casting out. So you just start to speak in tongues. But the thing is, you have to be cognizant and aware of the things that even Satan is doing in this time frame. Right? There's, there's a, oh, sorry. There's a lot of increased demonic activity. You have to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. So you have to stand at attention. A soldier does not go off duty when he's supposed to be at war. He doesn't suddenly say, let's stop fighting and go and sit down and take a break. You have to understand that sometimes it is time for battle and you have to be active in the spirit and be at war. Because your king, your Messiah, who you are discipled to, who you are, who, who you are following, right? He has given us victory and we, he sa- it says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Yesterday something happened because me and my husband we went to the we went to the movies to go see a movie right uh, last year uh, like the last month of December just the last week of December I was saying to my husband that 2024 is a leap year yes. and I think that uh, 2024 is going to be a, a year of war <coughs> maybe World War Three might happen I don't know. And my husband said, don't say it. If you say it, it'll happen. I was like, you know what? There are two things that can happen. Number one thing, if it's God's will, it will happen. There's nothing you can do about it. And if I say it, right? If I'm, if I'm not, uh, uh, people can say anything. People can say anything they want to say. Some people say things like, you remember the, the guy who was, he was an imam. And he said, Israel is going to, his girl is going to be destroyed. Israel, and, and then all of a sudden, he says, if, if I'm lying, let the ground open under me. And suddenly the, <laughs> the stage collapsed. I don't know what happened to them because the video cut off. Like people were shocked that it actually happened to him. Right? The, the point I'm saying is that people can say anything. But if you're not a prophet, your word has, carries no water. Right? So this is what I was explaining to my husband. Uh, and the thing with, if you are a prophet, if God tells you to say something and you don't say it, God will punish you. So there is nothing that you can say, okay, don't say it, or else will happen. Well, I'm not God, am I? It's what God's wills that will happen. So yesterday we were at the movies, and um, when we finished ordering our food, I told the girl, you bring it there, right? And, and she says, 
yes. And my husband was like, why are you telling her that? Don't you already know that she's going to bring it? I said, well, if I didn't tell her, if she doesn't do it, I don't have anything to tell her that I warned you, right? So my husband was like, okay, whatever. Just stop saying things like that. And so we went to the movies. Do you know they didn't bring our food? We're halfway through the movie, I was like, you think they didn't bring our food? And then he went there, he stopped there, and he was angry. He was like, where's our food? He said, oh, we got it confused with somebody else. We thought you guys had already gone. And then he said, please bring our food. We're still in the cinema. And then we, we, we waited, and another 30 minutes, this time the movie was almost over. He went back there. Where's our food? And then the, the, late, the guy said, I'm so sorry. We'll refund you the money, but we'll still give you the food. Here's your refund. Here's still the food. They gave us the food anyways. When we left that, you just started warning me that you need to stop talking. <laughs> that you, you will make it happen. And I was like, how on earth did I make anything happen? If I didn't want her initially, I wouldn't come back later and tell her that I want you to bring my food, right? The point I'm telling this story is that there will be things that will happen, but God has told us everything ahead of time. And it is time for us to grab hold of the promises that he has given us ahead of time because his word is true. That's why he tells the prophet that if I tell you to say something, if you don't say it, I will lay the sin upon you. But if you've given the person the warning and the person changes... This is talking to Jeremiah, right? If the person changes, I'll forgive their sin. But if they don't change, then I'll hold them accountable. Is he Ezekiel? Oh, it's Ezekiel. Oh, okay. Sorry. I always confuse the both of them. The major prophets. My point is that God has given us his word ahead of time. That word is the fact that we are operating with authority in heavenly places. We should lay hold of that word, the promises that he has given us. Last night, it was easy. In, my, in the nightmare that I had last night, a demon was actually trying to tell me, you will never get out of this place. And I said, get out of here in the name of Jesus. In my dream, I was screaming, get out of here in the name of Jesus, right? But the point is that if you don't have that deep-seated conviction that you have all authority within your soul, within your heart, you will not operate from a place of authority, right? You will be scared. You will want to like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should be afraid, you know? You can be... Imagine you are praying, right, that, Lord, please have mercy on me. Yes, we should be in a place of humility, right? But the devil will try and guilt trip you under any situation. You will wake up in the morning and all you do is sneeze. You say, huh? You sneezed. It's time for you to die. Do you understand? He will use anything and everything, but you have to lay hold of God's word. You have to operate in the authority of God. The Bible doesn't say that he has all power in heaven and earth for just any reason. You have to understand that he truly has all power and authority. And to us, he has given that power and authority. Which means the enemy has nothing on us. He has no power. He has no authority. Whether we live or we die, we live to the glory of the Father. We live to the glory of Jesus. Whether we live, whether we die. Paul says... Whether I live, whether I die, it is good if I live so that I'll be able to teach you guys more. But if I die, then I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Right? Let us cultivate that mindset. 
last night I was thinking that okay my finger going to is there any blood arteries that have been clogged like is my heart suddenly gonna stop while I'm I'm sleeping because of just my finger like, like thing it's a finger and the blood artery is you know bursted inside there and, and your your thing is bling you can't imagine all the kinds of thought that were going into my head but I kept thinking about Paul's message about the helmet of salvation if you think about what he's he's using the full armor of God, but he's using references to what Roman soldiers wear. What was the helmet for? To stop the arrows from hitting their heads, for, to protect them from from the battlefield, from getting a cap, you know a blow to the head. A blow to the head is deadly. You will not survive that. So you have to protect your head. Your head is where your thoughts are, right? And that thought, what you are protected from is the power of salvation that is in Christ Jesus. The power of salvation that is through the blood of the Lamb upon the mercy seat, upon the altar. This is our protection, our protective shape. Hey, Timmy. Welcome back. Happy New Year. <laughs> so good to see you. <clears throat> okay, all right. Let's move on to the topic. I apologize. Um, I wanted us to kind of appreciate some of the things that we have been given into and this is one of the things that we're talking about knowing what you've been called into knowing the glory of the kingdom that you've been called into we will face challenging situations we will definitely face challenging situations i know what 2024 is fixing up to be for us but we have one thing and that victory is in christ jesus, christ jesus. that victory we have has already been has already been purchased for us in christ jesus so let us stick to the knowledge of that victory. Let us stick to the, to the authority in that victory. Okay, so a uh, quick recap. Last week we said, uh, we talked about <clears throat> what should we do as, a, as, as disciples. The first thing we, talked to, uh, we said was see the kingdom as a treasure that needed to be um, tilled, to be kept, to be protected, right? We talked about how Adam, his job was to, to guard and to keep the garden. So we... Even as disciples, now we have been given a new treasure, which is in Christ Jesus, the treasure of the kingdom. See the kingdom as a treasure. You have to work it. You have to till it. You have to guard it. Right? People don't just put their treasures out there for anybody to come, to come and steal. They put, uh, some put it in safes. Some put it in a heavily locked bank, fortified bank. Right? You have to guard your treasure. Right? Understand what the kingdom is within you. It is that treasure that you guard with everything within you. All right, so, and the second thing we talked about was work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. I think Sister Precious asked a, 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 a question, a great, really great question. Now, what's the difference between working out your salvation with fear and with trembling versus what, else, what were we comparing it to? I can't remember anymore. Oh, we know without uh, fear and trembling, right? And, and that's the understanding that the, the salvation that you have received is something that is so precious. So you should take it. Why do you look so different? I, I feel like you grew so, a mustache or something. <laughs> Timmy, yeah, you. I was just looking at him like, why do you look so different? All right. Well, it's good to see your face anyway. All right. So today we're going to go into... Um, the other part of the, the same message. And the first thing we're going to go into is milking the word, right? So two weeks ago, we talked about how um, we should desire the sincere milk of the word, um, which is what Peter tells us. And we go to 1 Peter 2, verse 2. 
if yeah, first Peter two verse two. If you are there before me. I'm there, so I'll go ahead and read. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. Can you be a newborn babe forever? How long do you think you can be a newborn babe for? <laughs> newborn? Newborn babe. Is Nathan a newborn babe? No. No. He'll be there for six months or so. Exactly. You have to understand that in your beginning, in the beginning of your walk, right? You have to definitely desire the sincere milk of the word, right? Yeah, weaning, yeah, weaning, weaning to yeah. Wean from breast. From breast, yeah. Some take it up to two years. In Israel, I think it's two years. Even remember, in America, even in America, I know. Remember, uh, um, Sarah. Samuel. Oh, the Samuel. Okay. Samuel, when they were going, when they were going to after his birth, mm-hmm. when it was time to go for pilgrimage, Hannah said. Oh, that she will not go that year, or that she will go until she will wait until the child is weaned. Yeah, yeah. And when the child was weaned, he took the child, he took the child with her to Ella. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to to answer your question when you said how how long? long. Yeah, yeah. So you see. Yeah, you. I'm not trying to put a time frame on our growth, though. I'm just trying to make you see that you cannot be a baby forever. Right. Right? Because a baby doesn't stay a baby forever. No. If, you, if you're still drinking your mom's milk by the time you're three years old, people are going to question your sanity. Mm-hmm. Right? Not just your sanity, your but the, even, yeah, not even your it's own sanity, but even your mom's sanity. They'll wonder what's wrong with this woman that she's still breastfeeding her child at three, five, five years old. Right? So you have to understand that in the onset, you definitely need to consume the milk of the word, but you have to know that um, you need to grow, right? So Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word. When Peter is writing, he's actually writing not necessarily to a uh, Jewish uh, uh, audience. He's probably writing to a Gentile audience, yeah? Or to you know, you know to a Gentile nation community yeah. right who not don't necessarily have actually read the Torah before because remember at that time we don't necessarily have the the Gospels at this point all they had to read was you know the Torah the scrolls so he's saying to them that you need to desire the sincere milk of the word feed the word so you actually know this God that we're preaching to you about what he is like what he is taking his people through what his commandments are right He's telling them, encouraging them to desire the sincere uh, milk of the word. But there's something else that that I'm uh, kind of going to milking the word, right? There, some people will call it exegesis, where they actually read the word and they begin to kind of 
see hidden meanings within it. Just FYI, there are some people that will start to practice things like uh, gematria, gematria, which is counting the numbers of certain words and trying to use <laughs> what it says. That's not what I'm talking about here, right? So I'm not talking about, I don't believe, you can read anything into the Bible, right? Uh, there are people who, even in the expanse of, because uh, rabbis do this a lot, they will uh, do what's called halakha. Halakha is telling um, stories or traditions to actually support what the word says, right? Uh, but some also will try and um, do gamatra in, in, in combination with it to kind of see certain things. I read the story of one uh, very uh, influential uh, Hasidic rabbi who he was using gamatra as well as some other, um, I don't know, other eschatological uh, means. And he, he wrote on a piece of paper that he believes that Yeshua is really the Messiah. This is an Orthodox rabbi who doesn't believe in Jesus. But before his death, he wrote on a piece of paper that he just given the fact that, you know, given gamatra and all of that. But you don't need gamatra to tell you that. All you need is follow the, the paper trail. Follow what the promises are. Follow what the, the, the prophet says. Follow all the things that, that the prophets prophesied. If, he, if it happened to him, if he fulfilled it, there you go. You have your proof. But a lot of people are still blinded to it. Right? So milking the word means understanding what is revealed inside the word. Right? So when, I, when, when, the, when the Bible says something like, we are raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. What does that really mean, right? Milking the word is understanding what that means for you as you stand today. I'm not in heaven, but I have heaven's authority within me right now. So this is where you grow from drinking the milk to making sure that, you know when farmers milk a cow, right? They're not necessarily babies. Understanding the word set, what the word actually says, right? Taking, take, understanding the depth of the word, right? If I have a cow, right? My cow can provide me meat. My cow can provide me with milk, right? When a farmer, remember as disciples, what did we say? Guard the kingdom. You're a farmer. You're a gate man. You're a security guard. You're a farmer. When a farmer has a cow, the cow can provide him with meat. The, pa- the cow can provide him with milk. As a farmer, he's not a baby. He's not milking that cow because he wants to drink milk as a baby. He's milking the cow because milk gives him something else, right? Gives him the calcium that he needs. A baby needs milk because they can't chew, right? But we all need, still need milk because it has vitamin D strong bones right so when you're milking the cow you're not necessarily milking it as as baby so Peter for the first part is telling them to desire it desire the word as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word the purity of the word just for the word the word itself get the word into you right but then you get to another and this is where we talked about um I think in the past we've actually talked about um you know the commandment where God says uh these animals are clean to you in the book of Levit- Le- is it the book of Leviticus where it says uh, um, the the ones that pat the hoof and chew the cord, right? Um, and we're gonna go to our next scripture in a second. But 
the, in the book of Leviticus where it says, the ones that are uh, clean to you are the ones that pat the hoof and chew the cud. And if you, God gave me a revelation about this a while ago, and then I actually saw another Orthodox rabbi teaching the same thing, right? Which is that the fact that the ability to be, to be clean is the ability to, that pat the hoof means being able to separate good from evil, right? The ability to separate good from evil, that's patting the hoof. Chewing the cud means the ability to meditate on the word, to not just, because when, when a, uh, an animal chews the cud, it takes it in, it takes it all in, into the fir- first belly, right? Yeah. But then it regurgitates it and begins to re-chew it, which is the idea of meditation, meditating on the word. Paul does this when he talks about how um, Christ and the church, the, the church is the bride of Christ. This is a great mystery referring to the marriage, the first marriage, Adam and, and Eve, right? We can look at, let's look at Ephesians um, 5, 31 to 32 first. So obviously Paul is, is, is has a, a Jewish background. He, he used to be like a, a Pharisee. He was very, very uh, learned in the word. So Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. Yeah. So here he's saying, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. This is him milking the word, right? You see God's in Genesis talking about how a man shall live his father and his mother and shall cleave to the wife and shall cleave to his wife and both shall become one flesh. We see Jesus repeating the same thing when he's given an answer to those who ask him that can a man divorce his wife for any reason? And Jesus gives the same, don't you understand that in the beginning, you know, uh, it was not so, Right? Anyone who divorces his wife at this point, if they they haven't even gone to the point of even asking, is it okay to marry more than one wife? Because some people will tell you that in the Old uh, Testament, uh, there were people that married more than one wife. So can't we go back to to, to polygamy? But Jesus is reminded that in the first instance, it was one man, one woman, and the two became one flesh, right? And Paul is milking this word and telling you the fact that it is a great mystery because this is also applicable to. Christ and the church and that they are one flesh remember that when uh when Jesus reveals himself to uh Paul on the way to Damascus when he was going to persecute the church in Damascus what did Jesus say to him Saul Saul why are thou persecuting me he could have said who are you I mean he did say who are you but uh, he said, I'm not persecuting you. I'm, I'm persecuting those people that believe in you. But in that instance, he got an understanding that Christ isn't separate from the church. That it is one flesh, one body. That it is one. And that's why he's calling it a great mystery. That the man and the wife become one flesh. And that Christ and the church are one. So when we're talking about complete oneness, complete unity, knowing that we are in Christ, we know that anything that comes, they can't touch Christ, right? The devil can't touch Christ. He already, the, the Bible says, for this reason was Christ revealed, that the works of the devil 
may be destroyed, right? So he, on that cross, he made a public disgrace of them, right? He overcame. He struck the head of the snake. And that was the end. 2,000 years ago. So they can't touch Christ. So they try to intimidate us. Because we in Christ, we are one, right? But we have to understand and learn. Milk the word. Learn to understand from what position you are operating from. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? And that because we are one in Christ, right? So you have to milk the word to begin to understand the depth that is inside all of God's words, right? Questions? Okay. All right. Now the final one then is know the Lord. Know the Lord. I'm going to ask you a, a quick question. Uh, in the, was it the 1500s? I believe so. In the 1500s. During the days of Martin Luther. Did the church, it was the Catholic church that was the only church at that time. Did the church know the Lord when they were selling indulgences? Does anybody remember the story of the Catholic church selling indulgences? Can anybody tell me what indulgences are, if you guys remember what it is? Well, let's the students, let's, because you are very learned. So I, I, I want somebody in the, one of the students here. Which one of you remembers? What is indulgences? Are you serious? What? Why is everybody? I can't believe this. Well, oh, we grew up Catholics. Okay, so do you remember them teaching you anything about indulgences in, in the past, in his, history? You can't remember? Yes, yes, that's what it was. So the Catholic Church was saying, when the copper goes in the, in the, uh, in the box, a soul in purgatory goes free. So they, they try and tell you that you can buy forgiveness even for your loved ones, for yourself, that are dead, that they won't go to hell, they won't suffer in hell if you put money in the offering basket. That's what indulgences are. So if you know the story of Martin Luther, uh, he, he is the, the, the beginning of the Protestant movement, right? Uh, he was actually a Catholic, he was a monk, and then he began to read the scriptures and he decided to declare that the Catholic Church is teaching yeah. wrong and false. So yeah, <laughs> not by not by by selling by selling uh, uh, indulgences, but you can see that people and he 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 began to teach the message that it is only by true repentance that you can actually gain forgiveness with God. It's not by thinking that oh I will sin today and then pay for my uh, sins with money. Uh, you know that, that that gets you salvation into 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 heaven or before God. But the point, the point I'm bringing all of this is, do you think that the Catholic Church, I mean, there were popes, there were monks, they were all reading the scripture. Even Martin Luther wasn't the only monk who was reading the scripture. Do you feel like they knew the Lord even after reading the scripture? Why did it take just one man to consciously read the scripture and say, I'm going to stick to the word that the, that the scripture says and suddenly rise up and, and declare a, a movement against the, the Catholic Church? Right? Can I say something? Yeah, sure. You see, most of us, we are, we, we 
sold to doctrines mm. and not to and not to salvation. Mm. You see, when we we say okay, we are like what we are going through now. Mm. We just say okay, we we've received Christ as converts mm. now to become disciples. They now start training us on church doctrines mm. instead instead of the uh, discipleship uh, principles, how to become or walk with Jesus. Yeah. They now start teaching us how to walk in the church. Doctrines of the of church. Men. Doctrines, of doctrines of men. And so, you see, that I, I think I'm not saying that must have been what, is, what was going on in Catholic church then. Most of the monks and all the, the other, you know, they were now teaching them about the doctrines of the Catholic Church, mm. how how to run or how to operate or how to function under the Catholic Church, not as not how to function under the authority of Christ. Of Christ. So these are these are things that have happened over time in history. But let's look at the two scriptures because we're running out of time. The two scriptures that I want us to look at in remembrance of the fact that as disciples. We're called to know the Lord. So, know the Lord. Right? Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. Yes. The covenant I will make with the Are you done? Oh, okay. Mine continues on and says, uh, From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So know the Lord. He's saying that you will know me. And the second you know me, you will know the fact that I have, I remember your sins no more. If you know the Lord, the enemy cannot suddenly come and tempt you and tell you that you should do this. Right? Let's look at one more and then we'll finish. John chapter 10 from verse 1 to 5. There's a song that I think it was Joshua Aaron that sang it where he says, And they all shall say, and no man shall, and no longer shall any man um, ask his neighbor, say to his neighbor, know the Lord, for they all will know me, right? He sings a song. He says that no more will we be telling our neighbors, know the Lord, because we will all know the Lord, right? You have to know him. If you don't know him, someone can tell you something about him, right? If you don't know the Lord, someone can tell you that, Oh, the Lord takes money for for forgiveness of sins. If you don't know the Lord, someone can easily come and tell you, Oh, the Lord is a 
don't worry. He doesn't look at all those kind of stuff. You can live in sin and just come close to him. But the Lord has constantly revealed himself. So know the Lord. All right. So uh, John chapter 10. I'll start from verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own ship by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep, they follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. If I hear the voice of my husband, saying to me, he calls me by name, right? And he says to me, um, I need you to go uh, to the store or say something else. I need you to go and I'm just going to use a random thing. Go and do something for me at the store and, and bring it to me and, and do this with it. Or for, maybe, for example, if I'm in Nigeria, I hear the voice of my husband that says, go into the market, buy one of those uh, ritual ritual um, idol worship things and bring it to the house and we'll do something with it first of all it's, it's my husband's voice but is that my husband I know my husband he would never tell me to do something like that so knowing the voice is not just knowing the sound of the voice it is knowing the person who carries that voice all right because anybody can pretend to be the voice of somebody else. But if you know the person, you'll know his voice and what he's capable of saying and not saying. So when he says that they will run from a stranger, he's telling you that they will run from strange teachings. Because his sheep know what kind of shepherd he is. Right? There's something that Paul says. He says, um, if someone preaches to you a different Jesus, put up with him readily enough. Right? So what Jesus are you receiving? What voice of Jesus are you receiving? Knowing the voice, knowing him, it's not just knowing the sound of his voice. None of us know the sound of Jesus' voice because we weren't there with him. Right? But we know the content of his character. We know the content of his teaching. He's consistent. When the, when the Pharisees were asking him, tell us if you are the Christ, he says, it's the same thing I've told you from the beginning, but you don't, be, you don't believe me. Why is he saying that? He said, I've told you the truth from the get-go. I didn't change my mind at any point. I didn't tell you at one point that I'm not the Messiah, and then suddenly here today, I'm telling you that I'm the Messiah. He never changed his word. He has a consistent, because the truth is, can, the truth is like solid foundation, right? It doesn't waver. It doesn't change over time. Truth is truth. And that's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So knowing him for who he is means you know the content of his voice. Right? The voice isn't just the sound. It is the, 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 the substance of what it is. Right? Okay, we'll go ahead and end there since we're way over time. I apologize. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. We thank you, O oh God, for such a time as this. We ask, O oh Lord, that 
the seeds that you sow in our hearts will bear much fruit, even up to a hundredfold. We ask, our God, that you will give us the grace to grow in the things of the Spirit, to grow in the things of the kingdom, to be on fire for you, O Lord, to be not just hearers of your, of your words and hearers of your voice, but to be followers and doers of your will. Father, may your name be glorified in our hearts and in our lives. We just lift this moment to you and we say thank you, O God. Thank you for the outpour of your Holy Spirit. We ask, O God, that you continuously guide us in your ways of truth, that you help us to abide in you, that you gird us with the belt of truth, that you shield us, O God, with that helmet of salvation and help us to take up that shield of faith and to match on with this gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of peace. We choose your shalom even in this moment. I pray your peace over everyone who's here in the sound of my voice. I pray your shalom over everyone. And I lift up the rest of this service to you that your presence, oh God, will fill this space in the name of Jesus.